0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Roger Lemaitre. He's the CEO of UEX Corp, a junior Uranium Explorer with assets all across the Athabasca Basin. We discussed their 2019 trials and tribulations, his hopes for 2020. Plus, he gives us some insight into winners and losers in the Uranium junior space. Roger, how are you, sir? Doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, lovely. Lovely. So we spoke back in September. You were over for the WNA, Correct. pounding the streets and, and telling the story. Um, so why don't we kick off with one-minute summary of your business for people new to this story, then we'll kind of get into some of the detail.
1: Well, UX being a uranium company with dabbles a little bit in the cobalt space. Uh, what we're different than most other groups is because we sort of hold a portfolio of opportunities that range right from ready to develop uranium deposits through to grassroots projects. So while lots of people either have projects ready to develop or grassroots projects, we span the group of, of opportunities across the the uh, the wide range of, of opportunities. We, um, our goal in the, in the medium term while we wait for Uranium markets to move is to continue to grow our inventory of pounds by looking at our mid-stage to late-stage project in our target inventory and developing those.
0: Right. Okay. Well, th- 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 Thanks for the summary. Um, let's get the, there's a little side story that you've got called Cobalt. Let's get that out of the way so we can focus on the on the core, on core business. So uh, again remind people there was talk of a spin out last year the 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 cobalt market tanked. Um, you decided not to go ahead, I think probably quite rightly. Uh, with that spin out. So wh- where is all that at at the moment? So
1: right now uh, last year we we sort of took our West Bear deposit and grew it made it larger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the process of putting the resource together for that still. Um, and so that's going to be out here fairly soon. But that whole, that whole Cobalt asset, we still do think it is best outside of UX in the long-term mm-hmm. because it's a confusing investment, Cobalt and Nickel, and, uh, cobalt nickel versus Uranium. And it's just creating the right opportunity that creates value for shareholders, whether it's a new partnership or whether it's a spin-out. Uh, and until we see a sustainability in the Cobalt space to let that happen, then we're just not ready to let it go at any price. Uh, we, we, this is all done for the benefit of shareholders, using shareholder money. So they have to see, existing shareholders have to see a benefit. And in the last 12 months, that just hasn't been there.
0: You have spent about five million bucks on that over the last couple of years. You've got, you told me previously about 175, meter, 175 mm-hmm. drill holes in there. So you've got a bit of data. You're telling me you've got a little bit more information since we spoke in September and you're trying to build out a resource. Mm-hmm. But to, to what, why spend money on it now if the, the cobalt market is, Dead?
1: Uh, it's been dead for the last 12 months. I think if you if you look forward in the cobalt markets, I mean, it, and cobalt markets and oddly are very similar or familiar to us because uranium markets are, you know, that, that uh, it's not quite as as transparent or as robust as, say, the gold market. Mm-hmm. But we're in a supply shortfall uh, and we're seeing things change. While well, EVs haven't in you know, the last year grown as fast as we expected, they're still driving demand. And we're seeing that that market probably recovers faster and there just really aren't very many quality Cobalt investment vehicles out there right now. Um, And so we think there's an opportunity to be ahead of the the next little bump that comes back in Cobalt space, which is probably uh, not that far away.
0: So, Okay. How should investors see that asset? Should they just park it to one side for now you spent a bit of money on it. You're not going to spend too much more until the market has signs of coming back. Is that what you're saying?
1: We, we think it's coming back sooner, just because there's a, a significant shortfall this upcoming year. But what a sooner? So made. we th- want to be.
0: You literally this year. Do you think the market's going to, for cobalt's coming back this year?
1: Oh, do we? Are we going to see sixty dollar pound cobalt? No, I don't believe that's the case. Okay. Uh, but for for quality uh, assets that are ethically sourced in that there's there's probably a bigger demand for that than. Then you see you're seeing all sorts of automated for sort of scramble for that uh, clean cobalt angle, and so we think there's there's room there for an asset that you know probably won't be DRC sized because I mean there just there probably isn't another DRC out there, but for something that could produce you know and help a your factory with their production, we think it, particularly regional as cobalt becomes more regional like. Um, we think there's space there, and so
0: we want to be positioned to take advantage of it. The but what does that mean? Come on. So, so what? Is, in fact, let's start with what do you know about it now? To, in terms of grade, in terms of the scale of this, you're talking about putting out a resource, but you know, what's the what's the potential scale of this thing? Because with with gigaf- regionalized gigafactories, you're still going to need some kind of scale as as part of this Correct. story, and and always grade. So, what do you know today? Why why would okay. anyone be interested?
1: Okay. Well, we know today that our West Bear deposit probably itself isn't going to make a go on its own. We do know we have a couple of the best targets nearby that we satellite operations that together, if they're successful, could start to get to that scale. I think what we've learned more than anything else is that it's a proof of concept that this the pile which hasn't been known before in the world, exists, and we have a stranglehold on the best land to find more of these. So it's not just West Bear, it's what West Bear and what we learn from West Bear will look at in terms of the future exploration potential in and around the lands that we have now. Uh, and uh, turning after the Athabasca Basin quite literally into a Cobalt district and on top of it being a world-class Uranium district. So that's the proposition we see when it comes to the Cobalt side. And that's why we want to see it move into its own vehicles okay. at that's some the- point
0: in time. Okay. Those are some big claims, but you know, everyone can make big claims. But let's get back to, what do you know? Why do you say that you can get a stranglehold on you know, an area which you think is very, very prospective for, for Cobalt? And where's the, where's the value in that? You know, How do you know you can get at this economically, for instance?
1: Well, I think it comes down to your approach, right? So at, I look back and take the Cobalt space and say, what did Uranium do 40 years ago? in the Athabasca Basin where we're focusing today. And they focused around the Basin margins, they focused on spots that were pittable, they focused on stuff where there was infrastructure development. So when we look at our, our assets right now, where do we have assets? Eastern Basin, Western Basin, generally in the shallow margins, infrastructure, plus, particularly in the Eastern Basin, all open pitable. pittable. Mm-hmm. And more than anything else, is that nobody looked for these things, but they used them as pathfinders to find the Uranium deposits. We're seeing that actually, if you look around these uranium deposits, these cobalt deposits are nearby because they're part of the same systems that form them. So, we have a database of thousands of drill holes that were drilled looking for the uranium, but never looked in the basement where these cobalt deposits are being found. And as we look across the basin, not just on our lands, but others, we're seeing the signs of those things being there, but even though people didn't want to look for them. And so, yes, I think that's, uh, so you sit there and say, where, how are you going to build a strategy for this? I want the shallow land where it's pitable, next to the roads, next to the power, next to the airstrips. And we have a stranglehold on that land right now. And we've identified targets that need to be tested up in the cobalt space. So our proposition isn't so much we're going to find the one deposit we have it today. It's We have a piece of it today, but we think we can find more tomorrow. Okay, because so, we have that unique
0: knowledge. Right. So that's giving a bit of a clue about your business plan. Because, you know, the, trying to get junior miners to talk about business plans. is like pulling hen's teeth. It's like, so for the Cobalt component, you've got part of what you feel you need. You've got to go out and, you know, get more parcels of land and prospective targets uh, in there. Put that together and then kind of work out what you've got. That says to me, the spin out is, not happening anytime soon.
1: Uh, I'm going to turn back a little bit. Say we have a good chunk of the parcels of land already. Okay. So we don't have to acquire it. Um, would we like to acquire others? Sure, but that's going to be a challenge. But we think with what we have already, we have that there.
0: So what's the timing then?
1: Uh, I, I we like to see it evolve out in the next 12 months. Right. Because we think that's that's one or the other may or may not move, but. When we look at our stock price over the last twelve months, we don't move with uranium, we don't move with cobalt, we kinda of work in the middle. And I think that's a clear indication that they need to split.
0: Yeah, I mean the share the share, the share you know, on, on your share price, you know, you started the year at about eighteen, you're down at about thirteen. I mean, compared to your peers, that's fairly atypical. Well, I think some have suffered a lot more actually. But yeah, it's been a strange up and down year for you guys in terms of <laughs> What people think about you and what, what, um, why, why do you think that is? I mean, is it, clearly you've got two of the most difficult commodities, cobalt and, and uranium? So, you know, that, that's been tough,
1: but people that still, still
0: people have been listening though at, at, at periods. What are, what are they buying into?
1: Well, I think if you like the uranium story, our portfolio thing makes sense for you. If you like the fact that we can move some projects forward. On the cobalt angle, you have what's, what's interesting about us is that there are very few opportunities in particularly in the North American sourced market for cobalt to define something. And But the part with the cobalt that's been challenging over the last year is that there was a lot of, in, a year and a half or two years ago, when things were flaring up, uh, a lot of noise but not a lot of substance. So I think what you're seeing with the, some of the, we're getting a consistent drill results with our program. People seeing there is some substance there. Um, but yeah, difficult markets, so People, people are waiting to see.
0: I mean, do, do you think you could be accused of not having substance? I mean, you've got not, you've got, you're in Cobalt, you're in Uranium, you've got, last time we spoke, 21 projects, you didn't have a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. You've got about a lot of experience, but you know, that's a lot of moving parts with not a lot of money and not much happening in the market. I mean, that, that's a bit tough, right?
1: Uh, it's tough, and, and I guess you can, if you if you're a shorter-term investor, then yeah, I would agree. You would argue and say, yeah, this is a you know this is a tough company to be in. Uh, UX is definitely a longer-term company uh, with a longer-term outlook in both the commodities they're in. So if you want to be positioned in that, you know that, then you have to make that decision on your own. If you want to be in a two or three four-year uh, cycle, and and I'm not going to say otherwise because that's
0: that's what it's going to take. Good. Okay, that's good. I like that. Um, so let's talk about your investors. What You you know what type of investor you want then. You want someone who sees this as a medium to long-term hold because you know where you sit in the cycle. That's what, you, that's what I just heard. Okay. Um, I would agree. Right. So let's come on to, thank you for dealing with the Cobalt component. So let's talk about the second element, which, which is Uranium. Like I say, last time we spoke, you had a lot of assets. You got a lot of assets. Some you were focused on more than others, obviously, but. Again, let's talk about the business plan here. Why have you got 21 different assets or whatever the number is today? Because I don't know what you've done since September to today. What's <laughs> well, the plan? We
1: have that large part. The, the, the plan is sort of threefold on the Uranium front. So we have the projects that we're ready to move towards development and we know the market doesn't support that yet. So we got to park that in the short term. So uh, we have 21 projects, which is clearly too much for Uranium company of our size and our side build. So, uh, but it's hard to get rid of good land that we can hold for next to nothing. We do It doesn't cost us to hold the vast majority of these properties. So there's absolutely no reason to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to find partners to work on all of our non-core, our three non-core Uranium projects, but it's a tough market to do that in. And in in, so we'll wait because we can afford to wait on those projects. Mm-hmm. So then we're going to, the focus in the medium term is the three sort of flagship Uranium projects, Shade Creek, Christie and, and Horseshoe uh, or, sorry, Christine Hidden Bay, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And there, our goal is to grow the resource spaces that we already have and okay. by, by putting in modest investments, not monster investments, on more advanced projects. So, not looking at a piece of moose pasture, but looking at, ah, here's a mineralized hole that needs to be followed up, or here's a system that needs to be followed up. So, more of the lower hanging fruit. And so, the idea is to grow the resource basket when the market says we can move forward with the development
0: projects. Okay. So, you raised a bit of money in November, late November. In December, about one point five million Canadian. Yeah. You when you spoke in September, you had circa five million bucks. How much cash are you sitting on today? We're sitting
1: on about three and a half million today. Three and a half we million. We did do work in the, when we spoke last we were actively drilling at Christie Lake and then we did a program right next door to the Soon deposit on McLean Lake as well.
0: Right. So so let's talk about the program of activity for this year, because three and a half million bucks. Is that going to see you through to the end of the year? Where are you going? Uh,
1: Yes, it will, but but we're gonna we're gonna put modest investments. We're not going with huge things. Uh, we didn't feel it was appropriate at uh, the stock price we were at, at the end of the year to go out and raise five or six million dollars, and, and, and that, that dilution was just not fair to existing shareholders. Could you have? Uh, so we're gonna do. It. Could you oh have? yeah, absolutely. We, we we did turn down money. We is did turn down th- money.
0: Is this because it's flow through money? You know, you've got flow oh, through money. Ab- absolutely is, right. So, absolutely. Do you think, is flow through money easier money to get because it's it's kind of a tax break, right? So, is that easier for you to persuade people to give up, or is it the story still still as hard?
1: Oh, it's always a hard story, um, but flow through money can be easier. There's no doubt about that than the hard dollars. Um, what I liked about our flow through financing is it was a quick call to to three. Big, the big three biggest flow-through players in the in the space. Cost us nothing in terms of commissions because it was done straight up. So it was the best deal we could do for shareholders. No warrants or units attached, uh, which some of the other flow-throughs that we saw in the space definitely had those attached. And then what it allows us to do is continue to develop at a very, very modest pace, the higher priority tar- the, our highest two priority targets this year.
0: Right. Okay. And okay. That makes sense. Um, right. So the, you've come up with a, a reduced plan for the year given 2019 didn't turn out the way uranium Hawks hoped it might uh, 2020 has been a again a slow slow start no real news the macro story builds as ever um, we're waiting to hear if there's anything meaningful happens in the marketplace so you, you, you you've created a, a, a small work program just to keep things going top things up so can we talk about some of those projects can we start off with um, Shea Creek, because that's your Arano JV, yeah. perhaps the thing that you don't necessarily have much of a say on other than your JV partner. What's happening? Are they doing anything?
1: Uh, not in 2020. Okay? So well, uh, what I'm encouraged about is that the Arano person who uh, used to run that project during the discovery days is now the VP exploration over there at uh, Arano Canada, and they're reevaluating their assets. So last year we went through and did a detailed review of the geology deposit because we believe it wasn't closed off. And so we'll uh, be working with them in this, the late first quarter, early second quarter, to develop a 2021 program based on the things that we've learned. Because quite frankly, the people involved other than the Pre-Project Jealous are no longer tied to that project. They're not as familiar with it as say we might, we might be. Um, so yes, we're, we're trying to influence them to make a decision to go back there next year. And that's all we can do because
0: they're the majority owner. Right. And uh, you you and s- said that to me last time, you said you were going ha- to try and influence okay. them and help them realise what a good asset it was. But they had a few other options obviously on the table. They're, they're, they're big yeah. boys. Um, but I think I think when we've talked to them and showed them
1: what we showed them last time at our November joint venture meetings, it was sort of like, oh, wow, you see big opportunities here that we didn't see. And, and quite frankly, um, I think getting them to understand that a little bit better is what we have to do. And, and unfortunately, they're a very regimented company and things go at a certain pace. So.
0: So nothing's happening this to year. 20, nothing's happening. Not shake Creek.
1: No, and, and quite frankly, given how much money we raised, I'm very happy that's the case, because yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't.
0: You'd have yes. to follow your money or, or dilate down, right? Oh, and we.
1: Oh no, we 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 believe strongly in Shea Creek, so we would definitely not want to do that. We put other things on the shelf to keep that one going, right? If we had
0: to, right? Okay, and so 2021 is that is that a realistic target for Arana coming back I, and I looking so. at?
1: No, I think. It is. I think so. And, and, we, and we have some options to force it if we had to. So um, yes, I do believe it's possible.
0: What do you mean you've got options to force it? What does that mean? Just,
1: just under the joint venture, we have things, they have to do minimum programs over periods of time so we can push a program there next year if we had to.
0: Right. So at that point you'd need to go and raise money to be able to you know, keep up with your... Holding. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So no real news there. You told me you needed $48, no, sorry, $55. Uh, around that yeah price to to make it break even, and then above that to obviously make it well incentivize you to do something with it. So that's yeah, I think
1: that's that's about right. Still, that mm-hmm. hasn't really changed.
0: Okay, so a long ways to go on that one. Um, can we talk about horseshoe? You've got a PEA on that, as I remember.
1: We do. Back in 2011, we did a PEA. Right. Uh, while well, things have gone up and down. The, the the value the that value PEA is probably still the same. The the biggest challenge we've had with that project is is getting access to, to, to toll milling at one of the two nearby mills right. And so that's why we went back a couple of years ago looked at the heat bleaching option and that so far has shown to be really really quite cost effective but we know the next stage of the heat bleaching test is a significant ticket item uh, in terms of costs and we're in a you know it's not just a couple hundred thousand it's, a, it's probably five plus million so we're not ready to move that in the current market today
0: right Okay, and then
1: Christy. Christy is all about follow up to the Aurora North And The last time we talked, we were saying, "Hey, we've, we're out there drilling some holes. We're looking for an extension uh, to the Aurora North." So mm-hmm. we did, we did do that, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, we did find mineralization on another area of the property at a more, more I would say, dance stage, or dat stage, but more earlier stage on the parallel trend of Beacon Dr. Trend, um, but probably what excites us more than anything else. We were looking for this offset based on the winter geophysical work we did. We know that between the Aurora deposit, which is our most northeastly one, and the property adjacent to us, which is also owned by Chemical and actually part of the MacArthur River property, mm. they had a significant intersection on there and we couldn't understand why our trend ended or the system ended, yet we know it popped up again until we saw this geophysical work that suggests there was an offset. Right. So last, when we, last time we talked, we were in the process of starting to drill that offset. And while we didn't find mineralization, what we did find is we found the linking structure that suggests, and it was altered with significant Uranium chemistry in it, which is usually indicative of being close to something. So this year we're going to go back and say, well, the problem is the, the anomaly is wide enough that we need something to focus it down a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do some geophysics this winter and then follow it up with, with some with a small drill program to prove up concept that we are on that offset system. But last year's work, while not a success in terms of finding new it did tell us the system is continuing to the north as we thought
0: of it. Right, okay. So if I look at your program, you, you obviously raise this money, you've got three and a half million bucks left, you're going to reduce reduced program, market conditions being what they are, makes sense. Your overhead wasn't spectacular, as I remember. Um, no, we're, we're
1: burning about hundred twenty-five to 140,000 a month.
0: Yeah, so mm-hmm. not crazy. Not crazy. Um, It it just It feels to me when I'm listening to this. It's kind of. I know you're not hunkering down, but pretty close. And do you think? Yeah. No.
1: It's it's reduced for sure. Yeah. We could do a lot more if we had a lot more money. It's just. um, We need. I think everyone needs to see the market turn. It, It. The question is how. I think probably there's no doubt that even in the tough markets we've seen in Uranium in the last few years, a new discovery has a huge impact on the market price and perception. But it has to be a good new discovery. And there's no doubt that that still has an impact. Uh, but doing nothing, absolutely nothing at all, doesn't create value for shareholders either. We have to at least do a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. So we're taking our top, top target, which I think if anybody had this in their portfolio, they'd be all over it. Right. right we would want.
0: Okay. Okay. No, that, 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 that's that's fair enough. I I, I understand that. But it's are you, are you frustrated by this whole process? I mean, you must be to a huge degree frustrated because the the the, the, the you know commodity prices is, is doing what it's doing. It's making it hard for you to raise money cheaply. You, you can't do very much. But you're out of control in a way, aren't you? In, in I guess I need out of control. Well, the way, I, you're, I you're, you're, I'm trying to think of what elements are you in control. If you raised a li- you raised a little bit of money. Okay. Fine. You've you've done a, a little drill program to make people really think you're, you're you're doing something. You're not sitting there just picking up a salary, waiting for the market to turn because that could that could be the end of the year, right? I get that, mm-hmm. but so many other like you've got Arano, You're not in control of when they, when they get moving on on that. Um, well, your you know your PEA stage and you're evaluating. You're you nowhere real, really kind of creating the excitement or momentum for people to buy into. And Kirsty, you know, Kirsty Christie is relatively early, early stage, and you're trying to work out what you've got there. Then you've got a whole bunch of other assets which you say don't cost very much. You can hang on to them, and maybe that's quite attractive to people looking in and you know waiting also waiting for the market. To turn because you know, you know, with the kind of is it would you count that as a farm out or a JV? You're calling it a JV, yeah. yeah it's um, a joint venture, it, but is, is that what you are? Is that what you'd be better doing? Just going and getting a bunch of you know, JVs with them and like people with JCU rather than trying to do this stuff yourself, isn't that cheaper?
1: Oh, I, I, I oh, yes, yeah, so it'd be, would be be wonderful if we could do that. The question is who's buying, and right now, no one's buying, and even if they are buying, the question is can they complete the buy. And so we could take all our lower asset projects and find dozens of people willing to step into it. The question is, do, are they able to raise the money and do the work? And the realistic answer is no. Right now, they're, they're just not out there. And even your Uranos and your camicos in the world right now, your JCUs in the world, they're hunkered down because they're, they're, they're you know, being uh, cash-driven organisations. I mean, uh, it's a tough time in uranium space for them as well. And so, you know, I, I I would almost bet that our small little junior, which didn't do a lot last year, did almost as much work dollar wise as maybe the biggest Cameco. And so, there's not they're not buying because they have a huge asset base right now too. So we preserve that part of the portfolio. So when that market does turn, then people can raise money to run uranium products. We can get more of those assets working for us, and with other people's money. That's really the goal with 17 of those projects. Right. Um, because they are well positioned. They're projects you'd want to have. Um, With the horseshoe stuff, yeah, I'd love to be in control of those things. We can't control what we can't control, so we only focus on what we can't control. And that is working that mid-stage portfolio and trying to grow the amount of resources we have in the the portfolio by making additional new discoveries. And that comes relatively cheap by comparison to developing a project that costs tens of millions a year.
0: Right. So let's let's get the important bit here, which is for the for the retail, family office, high net worth uh, investors. You've talked about projects being able to get into production quickly, but you're talking the timeframes. that quickly means seven, possibly t- up to ten years. Right. That that's the reality. Quick in the uranium game. Quick yeah. in the uranium game. Right. Quick in the uranium game. <laughs> so between now and your share price at thirteen cents, and you know, getting anywhere near that. I mean, what are the moments where you've seen in the past where companies get attributed with, uh, you know, value, share price movement, significant movement? What are the things you're going to be able to do and when do those things, when do you think those things are going to start happening? Because, you know, otherwise this is a five-year hold, seven-year hold, isn't it?
1: The things that are in your control and the things you are not. So out of your control, we see a decision in the United States, but what they're going to doing in a real market return to the Uranium space, so people can make decisions on the buying side. Uh, two, the price starts to move because we, and people get excited about the price being able to move and some of the projects that uh, that people think that will, t- will take up all the slack in terms of production need, don't come to fruition because that's probably the case because the price isn't probably going to be $85 or $100 like it was before. Uh, And then people start to look at those other projects and say, can we bring those on? So that's out of our control. All we can do is wait for that time when it happens. Uh, What we can do is sit there and what we've seen in the Athabasca junior projects in the last five, six years is if you make a big discovery, it has value because of the value of of the grades and such make people really excited about what you can do. And so that's where we are going to focus our energies on, is making that next one on our portfolio of opportunities. And what, like I said, the difference in our portfolio is that we're not sitting on a moose pasture. We're sitting on, okay, this needed to be followed up 15 years ago. Why wasn't it? You know, and, and a good example of that would be what we did in, the, in November, December, at our McLean South drilling program, testing an Eagle Point style mineralization target, where the mineralization on the on the McLean Lake mine operation was literally 50 meters from the property boundary. And while we looked for the traditional look, uh, looking along strike along the conductor, we said, no, no, we, we know about from our experience at exploring finding things at equal Point that we can find these things at a different orientation. So we did test that. We were successful at finding the structures, but now the challenge becomes how do we explore that without just prospecting with a draw? And uh, so, proof of concept, great. We know what's there. Uh, that's Those are things sitting in our portfolio that others would love to have. So will we sort of Reprioritize everything we have in our portfolio. This year, we're going to work on our two or three most important projects or targets—not to say projects, but targets—in the portfolio. And then we'll reevaluate where we are in the later half of the year and say, "Okay, what do we want to do next? What is the market telling us we can and can't do?" Because we're just not going to blow our brains out spending five, six, ten million dollars a year uh, on uh, on new discoveries when the market's not rewarding it unless you find
0: it. So, do you think anyone's getting it right in the market at the moment?
1: Oh, uh, that's a tough call. Um, I think that uh, the challenge the challenge with um, some companies that don't hit on a resource space is they have nothing to fall back on. Uh, the companies, and then there's a real focus in, at least in the space, Uranium in general, that uh, I want to be specifically in a project. And that's great. Your project will, will, as they get more and more developed, the risks come out, but they're also subject more to the whims of the market. I think what I like about our positioning is that we have we have an insight or access towards that angle of things, although it being longer term than some of the others out there, um, we have the opportunity for investors to come in and sit here and say, we have that new discovery potential, whereas others are going to be focused on developing their project. And so if you want to be in a project, then we're not your company. If you want to be in a portfolio play that leverages differently than a project because of the discovery potential, then you're probably where you want to be. But we have that safety blanket of the resources sitting in in the wings.
0: You're an experienced guy. You've been in this space long enough. Been around the block. All of those wonderful cliches. You know, you know what you're talking about. Is it obvious to you that there are some junior uranium miners who are going to struggle? Oh,
1: uh, it's not obvious. It's happening. So yes, they're, they're going to struggle. The ones that will struggle will be the ones that are that aren't sitting on a discovery, that aren't sitting on a resource base, or are focused in the really high cost curve or the portion of the curve. If you sit on a resource that you know it's eighty-five dollars a pound to develop, it, it, those are going to struggle because they're only going to be valued at the highest end of the cycle.
0: I won't ask you to name names. Um, no, I won't. I won't give you names either. <laughs> um, okay. So what? So what? So you're saying that they're, they're going to struggle because they don't have the, the grade. They're not going to be able to produce. You know, below eighty-five bucks, hundred bucks. We we've heard this story a lot. That's interesting. Okay, well, I I guess
1: if you want to focus in the uranium space, you want to be in the low cost half if you can, because uh, you you have a dominant producer out there that that can dictate the price. And if you're if they're not going to, they're they're probably I can't see groups like problem seeing hundred. Well, they love hundred and thirty dollars uranium. They're gonna they're gonna supply what they need. Uh, and, And it's probably not enough, but it'll have an impact. So, it, you, you want to survive in this market, you got to be in the low cost app.
0: Here's a question for you Do you think this cycle will replicate the last cycle? Uh, I think the
1: big difference between this cycle and the last cycle is that at least there's more knowledge out there about what's good and what's bad. Whereas, I think back in, uh, in, in 2004, five, and six, there was, it was a completely unknown commodity. And there was, a, I think about $3 billion raised in public markets for this stuff. And and just as the companies got good, they didn't know they, they the market fell out from underneath an them and it slowed things down. Whereas I think now people would identify what are the good assets, the bad assets, and there's skill out there to actually make things happen. Um, you know, there was a point in time when, uh, when I first joined up in Chemical in 2001, my boss at the time, uh, he, took, he took me for a tour around Chemical's exploration office. Uh, uh, and there's probably, I think, I can't remember, 25 people there's probably space for 50. And he said, you could put every Uranium gel just in this room in and have room to spare. That's interesting. And so that's where we were on the last run-up. It's a very different uh, situation now. So my hope would be that in the next run-up that there's going to be more success for the investors because quite frankly, there wasn't enough success. I mean, there were some some stellar successes in the space in the last run-up, but given what was invested, there wasn't enough of those.
0: Well, yeah, there was there was there were 500 uranium companies, 450 of which don't exist anymore. So, (laughs) a lot of people lost a lot of money, and I guess that's what I'm getting to, you know, because we look at some of the stories which exist today of the of the 50 or so, and you know, you said it's clear to you, and I think it's it's clear to us the ones which will struggle because they just the numbers just don't support the story that they're telling, Um, and of course there will be new entrants. And there will be consolidation. Always are. And always are. It's the way it goes. And that's, and that's fine. But I'm more concerned with making sure that retail guys don't get caught up with the storytelling. And one of the big stories I keep hearing is, it's we're going to replicate the last cycle. We're going to replicate the numbers in the last cycle. And I'm like you, I'm not mm. so sure that's entirely true. Um, I, I, pe- I hope people won't make the same mistakes and I hope people won't lose as much money because people talk about the big gains, they don't talk about the big losses.
1: Yeah, there, there, was, a lo- there was a lot of money raised by changing it into something uranium back in 2006, and I don't think that's going to happen again.
0: We, we, we had that with uh, blo- blockchain uh, recently, actually. Mining companies <laughs> becoming uh, blockchain companies. Well, look, uh, Roger, thanks very much for that update. Like I, say, I, 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 I always appreciate your honesty and candor. Um, you, you, I think sensible approach to um, you know the market at the moment. Your fundraising and you know what you're what you're trying to do. So um, let us know how you get on with the drill program. Uh, keep us up to date. Give us a call. We're delighted to take it.
1: Oh, we'll definitely do that. Thank you very much. Appreciate you asking these these cool questions.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to crux Cars?